Well, today we start uh, a worship series about the most important decision uh, you could ever make. And that's no exaggeration. It's, it's not just a one-time decision we make and then put behind us or move beyond. Uh, it's a decision with profound implications for each day at the deepest level of who we are. It's even a, a daily decision to reclaim and reaffirm. The most important decision you or I could ever make is the decision uh, to follow Jesus, to place your trust and faith in him and, and, and to live for him. And if you're wondering, you know, uh, what does that even mean? I mean, there are all kinds of questions, and, and, and questions are good. Um, but you and I can say, you know what, even in the midst of our questions, uh, I'm choosing to take this step. I'm choosing to believe in Jesus. What does that mean exactly? Well, over the next five weeks, uh, together, we'll look at how we can grow in our faith in Jesus, wherever we may be. And how we can do that individually in our own daily lives, but also together as a church family. If you, if you wouldn't yet consider yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, this is an opportunity for you uh, to consider the claims of Christ. And, and if you feel led to take that next step and place your faith in him. If you already follow the Lord, it's a chance to go deeper and to grow stronger in your faith. The series is called The Core. And we'll look at five core principles of following Jesus. This morning, I want to talk uh, about how life is better together. Michael Jordan was uh, easily the greatest basketball player of his generation, arguably the greatest player ever. And the management of the Chicago Bulls realized that eventually Jordan's career would come to an end. So they began to look for who might come along and be the face of the franchise a talented college player named Stacy King uh, caught the attention of scouts and coaches for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, nobody could fill Michael Jordan's shoes, obviously, but Stacy King seemed like he had significant potential of his own. So the Bulls drafted him. And in his first year, the Bulls had a big game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was a playoff game, and uh, the stakes were high. Michael Jordan played one of his best games of his historic uh, career. The Bulls won that game and were led by Michael Jordan's playoff record, 69 points, 69 points in a single game. Well, people had pretty high expectations for Stacey King as well, this rookie and up-and-coming, maybe star, hopefully star, they thought. But in that particular game, while Jordan scored 69 points, Stacey King scored only one point. <laughs> and after the game, Stacey King was, was asked uh, how he felt about the game without hesitation. He said, I feel great about tonight's game. I'll always remember tonight's game as the game when Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. <laughs> Stacy King was no Michael Jordan, but he understood what it means to be part of a team. There's power in collaboration. One of the first things Jesus did when he began his earthly ministry was recruit a team. And in many ways, it was kind of a surprising team uh, Jesus recruited. His original team was a ragtag bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, and, and others you know, not thought of as real prominent in, in the eyes of the world uh, who, who followed Jesus and who hung out with him. 
And these ordinary people went on to do extraordinary things as Jesus' disciples. But in the beginning, they were simply Jesus' friends. And in a way, uh, his small group. If Jesus needed to walk through life with other people, we definitely do. Yet, so often we isolate ourselves. And such isolation leaves us open to temptation, loneliness, and negative influences or even bad decisions. We're stronger when we're not alone. God created us to need each other as we live out our commitment to Jesus. Not only that, doing life together is just more fun. It's so much more fun that way. As we build relationships, as we get to know other followers of Jesus, as we share openly about who we are, our struggles, our questions, our joys, our dreams, we can encourage each other, pray for each other, laugh together, serve together, and grow together. The singer and author Sarah Groves, uh, who is a Christian, uh, described these relationships in this way. She says, these kinds of relationships make life half as hard and twice as good. Half as hard and twice as good. That's what I hope for each of you. Relationships that make your life half as hard and twice as good. It's what God wants for you. It's what Jesus offers you and me as a gift of his grace because life is better together. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. For Jesus to say that is extraordinary. The, the love within God's own life, it, it's so much more than we can even fathom or than I can begin to describe. It's perfect. It's inexpressibly glorious and, and infinite. It's, it's unending. It's inexhaustible. This is the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit within, within God's own life. And Jesus came to invite us to share in that love. As God the Father loves Jesus, the eternal Son of God, so he loves us. Think of it this way. God, God loves you and me with the same love as he loves himself, this, this perfect, holy, everlasting love, so much more than what we can even begin to fathom. And God reaches out to every person with, with this love. He's reaching out to you personally, calling you by name, drawing you to, to himself. When you, when you really know God's love for you, your life is transformed. When, when I first began to understand the love of Jesus for me, I mean, just in like a very, very small way, not the, the love of Jesus as a, as a theory or as a general concept, but the love of Jesus for me. When I first began to understand that, my life was changed from the inside out. Jesus tells us the way for us to remain in his love is obedience. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And what are Jesus' commands? Here he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command, love each other. Here Jesus is telling us, 
again, something, something absolutely amazing. He's telling us that the, the, that the very love within God's own life as the Trinity, the, the love that created this world, that, that gives life to the world and sustains everything in existence moment by moment, the love that is stronger than death, this love that never ends, this love is for you and me to know and not to keep to ourselves, but for you and me to share with one another this love, to share it with those around us. And we receive that love by, by believing in Jesus. It doesn't mean we have to have it all figured out and like it's not an exam that we need to ace and only when we get 100% do we really begin to experience it. No, it's simply hearing that voice, audible or not, and for me, it's never been audible. It's been a deep intuition. It's been an unshakable thought. It's been something just stirring within me that, that has awakened me to something that's so much more, that's so much greater. And it's just about responding to that love. And Jesus here lays out the most radical teaching that has the power to turn the world upside down. I mean, our world needs this. I need this. Love each other. Love each other. Those three words, such radical teaching. He says, love each other as I have loved you. And that, that second phrase, as I have loved you, like makes it even more amazing. Like don't just love each other in your own way or um, in your own strength. Love each other, Jesus says, as I have loved you, like I've loved you, in the love that I've loved you, so you love one another. And we might ask, well, how or what? What is this love of Jesus? You know, as he's loved us, how has he shown us this love? The cross is the supreme statement of his love, the supreme expression that we see that Jesus loving us he shows us his love for us by laying down his life for us. He died for us. That's, that's how much he loves you and me. We'll probably uh, never be required literally to die for a friend. But Jesus calls us to lay down our lives for each other. I'm aware of how short I often fall of that standard and how self-absorbed I can be, focused on, on my own preferences and concerns rather than those of others, focused on myself, putting myself first. Look out for number one, the world tells us in so many ways, like take care of yourself first. That's the, that's the drumbeat we hear. And yet, genuine love multiplies as we give it away. Like we might think love is so powerful, it's so, it's, it's, it's so special. What if, what if we give love away? What if we pour ourselves out in love to other people? Does that mean we're left with less love ourselves? And while it might be that way in other aspects of life, not talking about love, but other things that we give away and then it's like, well, I gave it to that person, I no longer have it myself. But with love, it's just the opposite. That somehow mysteriously, the more we give love, the more we share love, the more we experience it ourselves. As we lay down our lives in love, we find true life. And at the heart of what our Lord is saying 
is that life is better together. And, and I need so desperately to, to hear this message and to know this. And maybe you do too. That life is better together. That we, we don't have to, in fact, we shouldn't try to just live our life on our own. But we've been made to share in life together. Together with God and together with one another in his love. Even if you've never ridden a horse, you're probably familiar with uh, with a spur, right? A spur, maybe from the movies. Um, you know what a spur is. Maybe the San Antonio Spurs, another basketball team, they've taken this as their, uh, as their name. But basically, spurs are just those metal, small metal tools a rider wears you know, on his or her boots. And then when the rider wants to urge the horse um, to, to walk or run more quickly or move from side to side, that, that rider will, will just use the spurs by, by gently, gently using the spurs along the side of, of the horse, gently pushing that spur into the horse's side. And when used correctly, a spur doesn't hurt the horse, but it can be a great way to reinforce uh, the rider's other commands or communicate quickly or directly during riding. In the New Testament, in um, what's called the book of Hebrews, this letter to the early Christians and, and to us, the image of a spur is used. We are told, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are to spur one another on. Uh, this, this wonderful metaphor gives us a word picture of urging one another on to do better. How are you actively doing that today? Who are the people you are regularly encouraging? Who are the people who regularly encourage you? And this is also one of many verses in the Bible you just can't obey if you don't participate in the life of a church and, and connect with other people in God's family. And on one level, I get it. You know, people might say, hey, I want to be a Christian. I just don't want anything to do with the church. You know, tired of people, tired of the hypocrisy, tired of the failure to live the love that we profess. And I, and I get that because the church is made up of people like me who are imperfect and who have shortcomings. And at times we fail to live the love we profess. But we also have to understand the church isn't just our idea, but God's. And it's the chosen channel of Jesus to interact in the world in a special way. It's in and through his people, the church, shortcomings and all. And here, as well as elsewhere, we're given commands to carry out. And we can't, we can't obey these commands unless we're involved and connected with God's people in the church. We, we just can't do this on our own. And here are a few more like that. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Serve each other through love. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. We can't do those things. We literally can't obey God in those ways if we don't participate in the life of the church and connect with other people in God's family. These relationships make life half as hard, and twice as good. To experience that, we need to be intentional. 
No matter what your journey in life has been like or is like right now, Jesus wants you to be part of God's kingdom, to take your story and to weave it into the larger story, which is God's story. And, and that will mean change. It will mean going God's way rather than your own. This won't happen overnight, but it should happen steadily. And by starting with small, simple choices, we begin to change our direction. The Holy Spirit helps us along the way, giving us gifts we can use in the work of the church, in the body of Christ, to build others up, giving us gifts to serve in the wider world and in the community around us, offering us insights, helping us better hear God's voice to us, better understand what God is saying. I love it, the, the way we're able to learn from one another and how in conversations with others in the life of the church, I'm learning things I probably never would have thought of about what it means to follow. And, and there's just such, there's such richness in those conversations as we share together. And as we receive the love of Jesus and then love others in that same love, those around us and, and, and even and especially those who most need that love, those who may be far from God. As, as that happens, then in a variety of ways, we see that it's true, that life is better together, that we're so much stronger than we could ever be alone. Members of a sports team will stack their hands in a huddle before going out to the field or court or, or whatever, and, and that symbolizes the connection they share as a team. Stacking, stacking hands in a huddle is a way for them and for their coaches to say, hey, we're a team. We're in this together. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay? And it's a bit like that in the church, the family of God. We can, we can stack hands together and we can say, I mean, I mean, we can say, hey, we're on the same team. We're in this together. Let's go deeper. Let's go do this Let's go and serve. Let's be the people God calls us to be. Jesus says, this is my command. Love each other. Recently at, at a funeral, a woman talked about saying goodbye to her mother, whose life we were all there to celebrate. And one of the things she spoke of was a particularly meaningful season of life for both her and her mom. A time when together uh, they met regularly with other people uh, from the church they were part of at that time. This was years ago. Uh, but they met regularly. Uh, and she referred to it as a nurture group. I thought that was kind of an interesting expression, a nurture group. And she went on to explain that this group met weekly to encourage one another, to nurture and support and strengthen each other. They ate together, laughed together, sometimes cried together, played together, had a lot of fun together. She told some funny stories about some crazy parties they had together. <laughs> they basically just said, we're going to come and, and walk together in life. We're going to share life together. They loved each other. They loved each other. It was striking to me that this woman would remember that group and mention it in that setting. Funerals have a way of reminding us of what's most important. What's of enduring value? What really matters in life? As she recounted her mom's life, the joys, the struggles, the humorous moments, the fun times, the memories, she talked at length 
about how those relationships developed and deepened through regularly meeting together with others in the family of God meant so much to each person, strengthened their faith and brought them closer to God and one another, and still carried great significance many years later. As I listened to her, I realized this was an experience of the reality Jesus invites each one of us into when he says, this is my command, love each other. Some people think emotion will sustain devotion, that Christianity is a a matter of, of moving from one spiritual high to the next, and that if you can just sustain those feelings, it will be easy to follow Jesus. In reality, that's not how it works. Unfortunately, life is sometimes hard. It's unrealistic to expect your emotions to drive your spiritual life. Instead, you need to be grounded in God's Word daily, in in, in regular communication with God through prayer, and in connection to other faithful people who can strengthen your faith and will walk with you. Life is full of, of mountains and valleys, but God designed us to travel the path together. So, who are your companions on the journey? And notice, I used the plural, companions, because it should be more than just one other person. There's power in synergy. I learned that through my high school cross-country team. I was not anywhere near among the fastest on my team. I kind of brought down the average time. But the team made me feel just as much a part of that team as anybody else, and we would surround one another and encourage one another and do our training runs together and the days of the meets and during the meets, spur one another on and cheer one another on, and I knew I wasn't alone in those races and in that training. Running by yourself, you can easily feel tired and discouraged. This is true in life, too. When you're running by yourself in life, how easily do you feel tired and discouraged? But running together in a pack with others, you feel strong. And the synergy of the team carries you forward. Who is running with you? Or if you like, since life's not a sprint but a marathon, you can think of it this way. Who is, who is walking with you? Who are the people walking with you, the people walking alongside you in this life of faith. And maybe some of you are wondering and thinking, you know, I'm just, I don't know. And, and if, you, if you can't readily identify these people, that could be an indication. This is an especially good time for you to think more about that question and for you to look around and begin to wonder, how can I develop some of those connections that we're walking together, that we're encouraging one another? And if you're not involved in a small group in the life of our church, I I encourage you to join one. There you can gather with others to do life together, connect, read the Bible, pray, laugh, serve together, encourage one another. That's a proven way for you to hear God speak to you while making friends and meeting people who will stand with you, support you, spur you on, celebrate with you, challenge you to be the best you can be and help you grow in your love of God and in your faith in Jesus. Our church has a variety of groups and classes that meet Sunday mornings 
or throughout the week. And you can find a list at sprychurch.com because this is so important. We want to go to the next level. We want to get even more people connected in these personal ways. And so new groups are forming that meet in homes. If you'd like to learn more, talk to Pastor Luke, and he'd be glad to speak with you. But here's what I want you to know. This is, this is critical for you and for me. Don't try to do life alone. Don't try to live by yourself. Get connected. Get connected in community. Your life will be enriched and blessed and strengthened in really significant ways. Find a way this week to connect with other people here in our church. It could be by reaching out with a, with a phone call or text or maybe you know, sharing a meal together or coffee or, or by actually going to one of the groups or classes. And, and you don't have to make a, a, a long-term commitment, but you can just say, I'm going to go and, and try this out. I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to try to find a place where I can connect personally with others so we can support and encourage and grow uh, together. And you know, here at Sprite Church, we talk about being alive in Jesus because that's the vision God gives us. And we say every week, we, we seek to be alive in Jesus through three main ways. And one of those ways is this, through building a vibrant Christian community together. And that, that takes effort on our part, but as God works through that, beautiful things happen. Amazing things happen. And this is for everybody. No matter where you are, in your life's journey, no matter your age or your stage of life, this invitation to Christian community to do life together is for you and for me. It's what Jesus wants for us. It's what he came to give us. It's what he points us to here and elsewhere when he says, this is my command, love each other because life is better together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing love for us. We hear your command that we should love each other. Help us do that more and more. Lead us today closer to you and closer to others in your family. That together we'll grow in love for you, love for one another, and love for the people in the world around us, including those who most need to know they are loved. Lord, your love is so great. We, we can't we can't say we've, we've, we've mastered it, we've, we've understood it fully, but we've just seen glimpses of it and it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. And, and we're saying now, would you, would you show us more and would you stir among us and work within us and lead us deeper in this life you call us to live as we share in this life together. Come Holy Spirit. And as Jesus taught us, now we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom. Amen. All right, Sprite.